Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. I'm your host, David Jennings, and in this session, we're going to be chatting with Phil Coombs. Now, I've been looking forward to this session for, yeah, a good part of the summit because I've had the good fortune to get to know Phil over recent times. In fact, the digital agency that I own recently did a short bio video on him, and to say that Phil is an amazing businessman, educator, and business leader is an understatement. He, he pretty much cut his teeth on the family business, which is AG Coombs, one of Australia's leading building services businesses. And he was at the helm of that business for 25 years. And then he sold it in 2012 with a, a turnover in that business in excess of $200 million. He's an author, speaker, advisor. He's owned, managed, directed and held board positions in over 15 businesses. And that's not to mention he's personally advised hundreds of business owners through his coaching programs. So you want to make sure you take very good notes because when Phil talks, you want to make sure you listen. And it's with great pleasure that I get to welcome you, Phil, to the summit. Hi, David. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you so much for making the time. And I, I know we've got a lot to cover. We're going to go through your system to build an industry-dominating culture so maybe just to start, the way I'm starting a lot of these sessions is just to get you to identify the specific problems and challenges that this particular system aims to solve for business owners, and then we can go through it step by step. Yeah, Dave, really, uh, in all my years of business, I've got to say, I think you go back 10 years ago, people really wanted to understand more about financial reporting and finance, and uh, that was probably number one. We need to understand about marketing. What's marketing? A lot of businesses really won business because they're good at what they did. But yeah. five years ago, people realized it wasn't enough because there's a lot of other companies that are also good at what they did. You run forward today, I've got to say, I guess seven out of ten calls, seven out of ten calls I get today around people-based problems. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and it's problem and it's evidenced by, uh, for example, the, the um, I think the Australian Institute of Human Resource Consultants recent survey showed that there's a 30% churn rate in businesses and turnover. Now, when you think about it, you've got a room of 10 people or if you're running a meeting of 10 people and you think that within 12 months, three or four of those people aren't going to be there. It's a huge implication and problem. And, and not only that, is, is that I think people of today, managers of today, uh, just don't know how to manage people in today's environment where the boot, boot seems to be on the other foot. You know, if you have a look at leadership, it goes back to really the, the heritage of leadership is from the military. In other words, this is what you're responsible for. This is what your duties, this is what your obligations are. This is what you must do. Then you put in managers to check that everybody does those things. But today, that doesn't work. So, so what it is, so what you've got a mismatch between what people want, how people don't want to be managed anymore. They want to be led. So what you've got is a mismatch between management and leadership of the past and management and leadership of the future. And I think that's the predominant problem. And the solution of that is not teaching leaders how to be better teaching managers how to be better leaders at managing people, it's, it's about building culture and it's about teaching them how to build culture so that, so that culture becomes the strength of the business. So, It's, it's an interesting topic because a lot of business owners and founders, when they get started, they think they're pretty good at this sort of stuff. I know I did and it wasn't until I actually got someone into our team who was good at 
sort of that, particularly the management side and, and building the culture within in the organization that I realized how poor I actually was. It's, it's easy to kind of get into that false sense of security, but it's so important that cost of retraining and getting new staff in. You mentioned about the high turnover. That's that's costly getting someone up to speed. So getting this right to attract in the right plays is critical. And I think you approach this in a systematic way better than anyone I know. Yeah, it is. You know, as you talk about the cost of turn, you know, cost of churn, you know, is it some of the, the, the cost I've been given from people anywhere between ten to twenty five to thirty thousand dollars a changeover. Tens at the bottom end, but I mean, reality is minimum twenty twenty five thousand. In fact, you know, I've got one client I've been working with where almost one hundred percent of their acceptable profitability is done in turnover rate of uh, of technicians in the business. So it's it's a huge implication. And uh, one of the questions you answer is is it why? I think it's a blind spot for people. Mm. I think people naturally think they're good with people and they're good with leadership, and it comes from a bit of a, an ego side of a business ownership where, hey, I'm the boss, I'm the business, people do it the way I want, the way I say. Well, just today, it just doesn't cut it. Mm. Yeah. One thing I know in the conversations we've had before, and, and although I tried to press you to push this down into a step-by-step process, I did want to mention right up front, because you've always said, as you start working with people, it's really about identifying the problems that they have. And then you you go in to solve the, those particular problems, because we'll go through a step-by-step system here for building this industry-dominating culture. But some of the things you might have already checked off or, you know, the person watching this is, you know, oh, we've already got that piece sorted. So it's this is really a good framework for you to go through and then it's about plugging the holes for the areas that you miss. But I'd love for you to take us through this process, Phil. Sure. Okay. And, and uh, look, you're right. And, and, and it has what I call every business in terms of building a culture needs a blueprint. You know, it's a blueprint not designed for somebody else. It's a blueprint specific to them for their business. And you're right. You know, I think there's a step-by-step process, but the blueprint can be come from from many different angles at different times. But, you know, it's got to start right. So the blueprint, you know, is really the outlining all the elements that make up a really good culture. Now, what we're going to talk about today is in some by a step-by-step process, but, but in, in that process, you are actually building your blueprint specific to your business. And one of the things I encourage people in terms of culture and, and a blueprint, you know, is the fact that the thing about culture, it can't be copied. And, and I think it can be the number one competitive advantage in business today because most people have got products very similar. So... By developing a unique blueprint to their business, it can't be copied by the competitors. You know, and so I think it's a huge uh, competitive advantage in the marketplace. And that's why I call it uh, to build an industry dominating culture because, trust me, if anybody takes this sort of program on, there's not going to be hardly any, if any at all, competitors in their marketplace, you know, that are actually uh, doing such a thing. And I think uh, the seasoned business owner gets that intuitively. I do know. You know, when you start up and you hear this idea of culture, it's very easy to kind of gloss over it and, and you know, it's the same with things like, you know, setting missions for the company and values. It's, it's very easy to dismiss, yet it is pretty much that driving force. So, it, yeah, just encourage people to make sure that they take this very seriously because it, it impacts things much further down the line. Sometimes you don't notice it as much when it's just you and Sally in accounts who helps you out, but as the team starts to grow and if you haven't set that culture, 
it becomes extremely difficult to reshape further down the line. Yeah, cult, think about culture. Everyone, believes it or not, has actually a system of culture in the business now because it, it builds its own life. In other words, a culture evolves and the, and the people evolve the culture. And that can be, in some cases, uh, one company I'm working with at the moment has got a toxic culture. But that, it's systemic. It's the way people operate. It's the way they treat each other. It's the way they treat customers. And, and, and everybody does it. You know, and, and not everybody, that's a bit unfair. But a culture is built from a lot of people doing similar behaviours. So, um, yeah, it, absolutely. But So I think when I talk about the um, process we we're outlining today, it's about if you follow, every good system needs a process. And this is what Systems Hub's all about. Why, as you know, we're a big fan of it and we recommend it to all our clients because a systemic approach to business is the right way to go. In terms of building a culture of the system, the first step is, is actually, I think, is, is critical, is inspiration. The leader of the business needs to know why needs to understand what culture can do for him, what can do for the business and why, in other words. I think everything is, is, is I love Simon Sinek's YouTube stuff and TED Talks, is that to me it starts with the why. You've got to know why would you do embark on a culture program? What's in it for you? What are for the benefits? What are the implications? So the, the, the step one is for a leader to understand enough about culture and to say, hey, it's right for me. You know, I've got a couple of clients at the moment I'm doing culture programs with who've just said, Phil, it's for us. We need to do it. Yeah. Can you show us how? And that inspiration is coming in both cases from the leader and it makes it easy. And just the, the results already are outstanding, you know, and just incredible because and that's where it starts. It's got to start with your why. Why? What's in it for you? Do you want a competitive advantage? Do you just want to make a more enjoyable workplace? Do you want to improve your customer experience? So it starts with the why. Mm. Yeah, and I think the why is one of those things always in business you're going to come up against the challenges and the why is about pulling you through those challenges and in culture there will be challenges as you're starting to shape this culture. So you, you want to have that strong belief and that also then starts from the top down and feeds through to your, your managers and through all the way through to all of your, your staff and the organisation. So it makes perfect sense. Are there any suggestions on how to get that inspiration is it about consuming some of the content that you mentioned is it yeah what, what kind of is the yeah some suggestions there it starts with education awareness yeah, yeah. you know exactly and, and i'm hoping that, you know is it i love what you're doing with with this whole summit you know what's it really doing for people's making people aware about what's out there what some of the experts in the fields are doing so it all starts with awareness to go hey i listen to hopefully somebody watches this presentation and, and reads the material that, that we add to them and go, you know what, I think that's for me. What is it? Awareness. The first part is awareness. And I think the second part then is going, hey, what could it do for me? What could it do for my business? And this is where I might need a bit of help in talking to someone like myself. I mean, uh, to provide the motivation of, of people aren't realising that culture, I think, could be the number one driver behind improving the bottom line in any business. If you just started with culture, everything else will get fixed. It's got some real powerful motivators in it. So where does it start? Awareness, educating. And this is what, what you're doing here today is really about that process, which is fantastic. And then we move to that next step around laying the foundations. What's the best way to kind of get that laid? Once you've got a structure of people, of key people, and I call it, you believe you've fairly well got the right people on the bus, you can't build a culture without believing you've got a fairly core of good people on the bus. 
So you really, it's critical in, in this culture process that you, you have that reasonably right. I don't say 100% right because the process will sort the rest out. Once you've got that situation, then, then you, you've got a team of people. And, and this is where it's a bit foreign to a lot of owners. But what they've got to do is in, in laying the foundation is clearly establish with your team of where the business is going. I call it a shared vision for the business you know, and, and goals so that everyone understands is where the business is going. So the foundations are really about evolving what your vision for the future of the business and where you want to go with the team. That's the starting point, right, a real start. And also the starting point in terms of laying the foundation is for a leader to understand the culture must be co-created. It can't be imposed. It's not like the old management style that says, well, here's your position description. You're going to do this and you're going to, you're going to do that. Whatever. It doesn't work that way. So you've got to understand, I think, in the early part of the foundation here, it's about understanding that it must be co-created and you've got to be prepared to have the guts, you know, as a leader to go, wow, instead of me telling everybody what's going to have to be done, I'm going to have to open up and let the people tell me how, how the culture should be built. It's a really important step, but an essential one. So the couple of pieces there, making sure we got the right, you know, bums on the right seats or the right people, let's say, in the organisation, that goes through, I'm assuming, having some people exit the, the company that aren't the right fit? The thing about process is, is one of the subsequent steps there. Once you develop the core values and behaviours behind a culture, you've got to give people the option to opt in or opt out. Yes, yeah. And, and I haven't done a program yet that somebody hasn't decided it's not for me. Yes, yeah. No, and, and what leaders are amazed at is that, that people will put their hands up and say it's not for me so they don't have to be sacked. They, they, they leave themselves because once you start imposing the behaviours you want, people say, you know what, I'm not going to change, I'm not going to do that. And so they hop off the bus. And that's a really, 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 really amazing part of projects such as this. And so people have to be given at some point down the track that people are on your bus, you know what, they won't all be on the bus, they won't all be behind you. They'll be there sitting and waiting and looking. But a lot of people go, when you put the pressure on them and go, they'll go, you know what, this is not for me. Yeah. I've actually seen that, uh, particularly because we work with a lot of people installing systems thinking and creating systems as a value within the organisation. And we see that some people self-select themselves out where it's, yep. you know, I'm not about following process or I do it my own way. And that's just on the micro level. So I kind of get this idea of all of the other values. So that makes good sense. So that next step you've got, then we kind of move then into the dream it component. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Well, once people are on board with the direction for the business, one thing that's not thought about is that, well, up until the work that I do anyway, you know, is that people don't think about what sort of culture they see as part of that vision. You know what? They, they see turnover. They see size. They see them working from, you might see yourself, David, and your vision is working from home doing what you're doing, right? Um, others people see the vision of a big factory and a big facility in Port Melbourne and overlooking the water. They, people have a vision, but they don't include culture in the vision. Right? which is really, really interesting because they don't see it as a critical element. So the dream at phase is it's sitting down with the team going, you know, this is where we want to go. We're going to be national. We're going to be this. We're going to be the best in the industry. We're going to be all that. And then we can sit down and say, but what sort of culture do we want to build? How would we describe? And so what the dream at phase does is sit down and go, hey, we all want to build a culture. What sort of company do we want to work for? What words would we use to describe you know, the culture we want to build. And these are what are called the core values. 
And you know what? Lots of people have got core values on the website, you know, and that's great. But the thing is, the process I have goes way beyond that. But it's, it's about defining the core values that, of a company that people want to work for in the future. And you know what? Would The words that people would use to, to how they feel proud, why they feel proud of the business. Now, I was lucky I built a company that, that I've been told and I was very proud of that I believe had one of the best cultures in the industry. And we spent years sort of, you know, working with our employees, trying to define what that culture was and evolving it over time and, and what words people use. It's very fascinating. But people have words on websites, you know, in terms of our core values are A, B, C, D and E. But the thing is, when you talk to employees in the company, they have a very different perspective of how they got treated. And it happens a lot in the corporate world. So the dream at phase is coming up with, with a maximum of 10 core value words that defines your culture the culture of the company that everyone would love to work for that they'd love to build in the future. Yeah, yeah. I think that idea then of living them, using them to hire by, fire by, run the business by, when you give recognition for your employee of the month, it's because they've demonstrated values and you've got a lot of different strategies on how to then install this in in the organisation. But yeah, it makes sense. First step is is getting clear on what they are. And then we kind of move to that step four, which is around the design it phase. Yeah. This is, to my knowledge, is not done. Not done here. Well, I have not heard of it being done here. This is the most critical step, bar none, that differentiates this process over anyone else that says they've got a culture, culture program. So what the design is, is that, you know, one of the problems was let's take a core value of respect. Yep. Your, you, and I could ask you, what does respect mean to you? And I could give you my definition and we could ask four other people, guess what you'd get? Four different answers. Okay? So how can you implement a core value that can have four different answers? All right? So that therein lies a casing point of why just having core values is just not enough. So this step is just is the design of phase is essential where what you do then is take you co-create, same as the core values. When we develop the core values, it must be done with your team, co-created. Let the people come up and determine what company they want to work, would like to work for, what sort of company the customers would like to see. So then you've got to do a designer phase. Again, it's co-created to say, well, let's, okay, we've now got our six. Let's take each word. Let's take respect. And let's talk about Acme as a company. So what we do then as part of this exercise is go at Acme, we will show respect by what? Then what we do is we co-create with the team what behaviours, we brainstorm the behaviours that would apply to respect. Then from the group, we agree on what are the top three behaviours that would support the core value statement. What behaviours can people do to bring that core value to life? All right, so what we then wind up with if you like, as a document that winds up with six core values and three behaviour statements that reflect, define the culture of the business. And then it makes it so much easier to spot. It's the classic thing. You need to be aware of those sub points to then actually be able to measure for it, watch for it, think about it, act on it, and it gets everybody speaking the same language and in line. So I, I love that. And we, with this document, this is obviously just something that you you write down in whether it's a Word doc or a Google doc or loaded into System Hub, wherever you're storing it, and then it just becomes, you know, a, a document that gets shared and, and referred to by the whole team. Is that 
Yeah, well, this is what we've defined in our program as the rules of engagement, the expectations of how how the people engage with the business, with the customers, with each other, and it comes the rules of engagement. So what we do then is we ask people to sign off on those rules of engagement. Yes. So in other words, commitment. This is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets to the phase about opting in and opting out. When people have got to start signing off and say, hey, yeah, I, I support these behaviours and, and, and I'm committed to them, which is really interesting. So, yes, so, so that's part of it. But then in terms of visibility, it's essential. So in terms of that document, imagine that one-page document being laminated, every person having a copy of that. So it doesn't just sit there as a bit of paper and get filed and get chucked in a drawer. It's laminated. So it gets more... So, and uh, in addition to that, it should be placed in prominent positions around the business on websites and just becomes what we call a living document. It's a live document, not just something that's done. It becomes embedded into the organisation. And even the extent of when employing somebody and saying, well, there's our rules of engagement. How do you feel about those? What have you done in the past in the business you've, companies you work for to demonstrate those core values and behaviours? And I tell you, if you introduce those into your employment process of how you feel people past behaviours applied to in employment, you'd employ a different person every time. You see, then employing people that are a good fit for your culture. It's funny. Um, it's almost like uh, when I hear these things, I like your process because it's unifying everything at a lot of my thinking is, is very much through the lens of systems thinking. So I, I always apply these ideas down to that micro level. And for example, when we hire, you know, systems thinking is part of one of our values and we share with them in the position description, here are five processes that you're going to be following as part of your job. And if you can't do that or be happy with following that process, then you're not a good fit and and people opt out and you get them right up front, which makes everything much easier. But what you're talking about here, it's taking that and really expanding it across everything because systems is just one very small component here and you're going to have six to 10 key values. So yeah, I love it. And, and then this kind of takes us through to the develop it stage. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. And just back on that, it's, it's imperative that that the elements of culture, culture is a system. It doesn't just, if you don't have a system to develop culture, it will breed its own life. So in other words, if you want to, if you want to change your, your business, you've got to change your processes and procedures. So it's got to be embedded in into your employment practices, for example. So yes, mm. you know, which we'll talk a bit, later about in terms of defended phase but absolutely changing to process procedures is essential yes. right we talked about then that the uh, the developer phase is really about how you then go you know what we've got a set of core values and behaviors you know and we're really happy with that what's next the developer phase is is and this is where it really got to up front leaders have got to come to terms with we're really breaking some comfort zones here right and the developer phase is, is our program we create with the business called a culture council or a culture club or a culture committee. And that's of employees, not the leaders in the business. And they're charged with the responsibility to ensure of the development and implementation and maintenance of the culture in the company. And so this culture council committee meets monthly and they, they conduct a re review of each of the core values on a monthly basis, pay one a month. 
and going, hey, are we seeing examples of what's really good behaviours? What examples have we seen of bad behaviours? What do we need change to do? Do we need to put our newsletter? Do we need to do a toolbox talk about it? Do we need to speak to anyone? Do we need some training? And then this culture committee also works on some, we very get, get them to work on some quick wins. You know, it's really interesting. Let them come up with some suggestions how some quick wins. It might be a social function. It might be uh, some training. It might be something, but something to get some quick wins to say, hey, here's a line in the sand. We're serious about this. So the culture committee or council meets monthly and reviews, and this is how you keep it live and building culture over time through this culture council, council committee. So that's pretty cool initiative. No, I, again, this is pretty foreign stuff to most business. They just put core values on a website and expect that to be culture. It doesn't work that way. You've got to work it, baby, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's how you do it through a culture council and a culture committee. So, um, so that's a very, very uh, in- integral part of this process is that, is, is that committee and the communication channel that's set up between that committee and people. And where I come into in that, in that phase is also use myself to help advise that committee on dealing with the challenges that come up. Because, yeah, as exactly as I said, really up front, there's lots of challenges you'll be confronted with. But it's not the leader, it's not the business owner or key leaders addressing these challenges, it's letting the employees address their own challenges, you know, using someone like myself to um, advise them along the journey. So that's a pretty, that's another unique element of our program. But do you know what companies we've seen so far, there's been no shortage of hands put up in the air to want to be part of that, that culture committee because why wouldn't you want to be part of building a culture of a company that you want to work for? Yes, makes sense. I'm curious as well, this kind of sparks a question when someone's thinking about when is the right time to deploy the culture? And I mean, you've got to get it right as early as possible because it's because it continues to shape. When we start to introduce things like culture committees, how might that look on the smaller scale for, you know, let's say a business that might only be five to 30 staff in there and then as it starts to grow beyond there you know I can it becomes clearer how a committee might work but how have you seen it work you know at the the smaller side of business yeah I I think I've got a couple of clients that are very early stages you know three or four employees so what I'm doing with them is they want to build a great culture in their business so what I'm getting to do again is the blueprint is picking the elements of the blueprint that are relevant to them now. Culture committee is not, but he's establishing core values. He's establishing what behaviours he would like to see, and he's now employing against those. So for a small, it's exactly the same. You just, as I said about building the blueprint that's right for you, it's about what's right for you at what right point in time. So as the company gets to, say, you know, maybe eight or ten people, you start to get, you might, you do your co-creation with two or three people. Yes. Right? You may not have a cult. That, those two or three people might become your, cult, your quasi-culture committee. Then you get to probably 15 people. Then I think there's a place. So probably 15 people and above, I think there's a place for, say, a culture committee of could be just three people. Yep. You know, I, I think once you get to that size, other than that, it's just it's really, uh, you know, how a leader then accepts that my business is going to be created by building an effective team and a team through culture. So it's starting the process. It, it, it can start from a business of two people to, to, to any number, of, you know, any infinite size. Yeah, that makes sense. And then it kind of brings us to the, the final step in this process, 
which is the defending part. It's all fine for us to to talk about getting the culture right, but then actually following through with it, that's that's often where the rubber hits the road. So, yeah, tell us a bit about how this stage works. Well, I think once you've got the culture committee up and running, that's a very, very important, you know, that's a very, very important role and responsibility in there. But when you get into the defender stage, it's a stage where I say you've got to, what you're trying to do is make culture live beyond leadership. Mm-hmm. So in other words, an owner takes sick tomorrow. Or like when I sold my business 12 years ago, how is the culture the same now as what it was back then when I left, say, in 2012, six years ago? So the thing is that does culture live beyond leadership? This is the stage it's about that. Because you want your, you do you want your culture to continue, not just be initiative of a person. Mm-hmm. So in this phase, it's very much about I think continually to measure employee uh, engagement instead of to talk about employee surveys. But it's got to be around employee engagement. How engaged are, are employees in a business? You know, for example, um, in America, they just did a ten thousand person survey employee engagement and found seventy percent of people are disengaged from from the employers they work for. Mm. So, which is when you think about it, if you got if, if you got a hundred people working for you, seventy of them are disengaged. You tell me how your business is going to be the most profitable, successful, and deliver exceptional customer experience. It's not. Mm. People are disengaged, not going to happen. So, so customer surveys, sorry, employee engagement surveys, a critical part of the process to monitor how you, and using what's called the, which we like to use, what's called a net promoter score. How likely are you, which is how likely are you as a, to recommend this company for somebody to work at? So yes. it's a net promoter score relating to, um, which is fantastic because you've got a numerical measure there of how your engagement is going. So that's part of the process. The other part of it is embedding, and again I say embed, which is really coming into your space, your world, you've got to embed these changes into processes and procedures. You must do that. In other words, the, the functioning of, of the culture committee should be embedded in the procedure. Your, your, your employment process, how you made, should be in, in – and so it's changes. It's the changes you need to make process and procedures. And the other part is during this phase, I believe the organisation, the culture committee and, 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 every, and the organisation needs to start going – how is a culture? Because the sort, what's, people often ask me is what sort of culture should we build? Well, I said, well, I know one thing. If you haven't got a culture that's focused on looking after the customer, you're going to have trouble have in the future. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you just look after the employees, we've got lots of happy employees, but you've got unhappy customers. So you've got to have a culture that, that's very customer focused. And to me, that's a given in any culture and core values. In your core values, if you're not addressing the customer, if you're not addressing the employees and not addressing business performance, so the culture then ties all those three together. So very much in this phase then, it's, it's about, I believe also it's about how do we continually improve the customer experience and having a culture where employees are continually thinking about, if, if every person every day thought about what could I do today to improve a customer's experience, how powerful that would be in a business. Mm. So so the thing is, you know, then if you've got embedded, if if you've got embedded, the right processes and procedures in your business about impacting culture. If you've got a culture around delivering customer experience and it exceeding customer experience, delivering wow on the business. If any owner of business can tell me they've got those factors, don't need to look at the bottom line. You know exactly how it's going to be. Yes. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And you mentioned when you're talking about that idea of embedding it in with systems and processes, I think, have you got any suggestion on some key areas that might make sense to to get a system in place? So you, I mean, the idea of potentially regular, effectively net promoter scores for employee engagement. I think another one that I've seen work really well uh, for your exit procedure when someone leaves, surveying them to find out, you know, what was the experience? What did we do right? What did we do wrong with the purpose of then using that to improve your systems and processes? Are there any others that come to mind as a great way, signposts along the way for recurring tasks? Look, Look, absolutely. When you look about it, it's predominantly around, predominantly around HR procedures. So yes. how you employ people, employing people, you know, in, in my world today, employing people, I think you've got to employ for number one of the, of see if you can find evidence of, of behaviours that, that are good fit for your business. And I think the other thing is a mindset of people with a growth mindset that are willing to learn. You know, these days a business, a business has got to grow, right? And the only way it grows is to keep learning. So if the people don't have a growth mindset to start with, well, they're not going to keep learning. You, I think we've all interviewed those people. You know what? I'd be really asset to your business. I've got 25 years' experience, you know, and, and, and let's just let me get on with it. But the point is, you know, I've got 25 years' experience, but I love to learn more about what I do and how I get better and better at what I do. That's the sort of person you want. So that's, that's imperative is, so it is how you employ people. And actually, when they exit, I agree with you in terms of exit interviews and understanding that another survey came out of America. I don't know why we don't do a lot of stuff in Australia, but we, they certainly do in America. Is that what they found is, is another recent survey that, that the reason people told they leave and the real reason were two different things. Right? And what they found, the number one reason that people lead is because of people. People leave because of people. And so your exit interviews have got to... Uh, get to the bottom of the real reasons, not the, you know, what's the old story? I'm leaving for more money. I'm leaving. Sorry, what's the other common one? I'm leaving for a job closer to home. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Crap. They're not the real reasons at all. People leave because of people, either because of incompetent leadership above them, management, or that they're putting in twice as much effort and the people beside them are getting away with it, or people down the line that have got bad culture behaviours. People leave because of people. All right, so so you exit interviews, and the other one which I chuck in there, I, I think, is that if you look at if you look at today, the number one th- number one reason that people are attracted to working for somebody and staying at a company, and number one is where is the company going? We talked very much about mm-hmm. the vision, direction, and the core values. Number two, how do I fit into that? How do I fit into that future in terms mm-hmm. of what's my what's my career path? Right? And a lot of people don't do this. They just go, well, I'm offering you a job to do this. They don't offer someone a path, a pathway. This is a very different. So employment practices have got to change. And the third one is that what are you going to do? How are you going to grow me to fit in, 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 into that model? So you tell me how many people, companies have got training plans or growth plans for their people. Very few. Mm. You, know, um, you know, I'm just doing some work with a public company at the moment. And, uh, and they spent $200,000 last year in occupational health and safety and training and, and, not, and not $1 on leadership training. So part of this process is, is so process procedures related to employment, hiring, you know, so hiring, 
uh, how you grow and develop your people and, and, and exit. So they're, they're sort of three key areas that are significant changes to, to, to process and procedures. Yeah, I see my mission really is to, to make sure we change the, the view and, and thought around systems and processes. Oftentimes, um, and probably this public company is a good example of that, they might be thinking in terms of, you know, I'm going for ISO certification and I need to tick certain boxes to say that, you know, I have these systems and processes in place. And it's more about ticking the box than actually having a system and process that gets followed, believed, when we start to marry in a lot of things that you were talking about around the values and, you know, systems and processes really are, are, are more about the, the team using it and getting the result and making sure that they're very functional, then, then they should be just, uh, I've ticked a box now, I can say I'm ISO certified. Yeah. This is a, this is a you got another hour? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But the point here is that you've really hit on something important there, is that the company I had of the size it was, we weren't ISO accredited. And people go, how did you be that big without ISO accredited? I said, number one, I didn't want to be locked in. My philosophy, I didn't want to be locked into systems procedures that effectively help the business lose money, right? Because the areas that are critical to success in a business are not in ISO monitored, measured system procedures. A business has got to be, a business is a collection of systems that integrate together to deliver a customer series and, and, make, and make acceptable profit. ISO doesn't cover that whether you make any money. So they don't cover the system procedures. So when you think about systemizing a business, you've got to think about all the critical functions of a business that are necessary to make money. So marketing and sales. Does ISO cover marketing and sales? No, it doesn't. So if you haven't got a system on how to lead, generate leads, if you haven't got a system how to convert those leads, well, you're doomed. But ISO doesn't ask for it. And finance. If you haven't got a system of how you manage money, how do you monitor cash flow? I, all, I reckon three quarters of my clients don't monitor cash flow and probably half of those have got cash flow problems. Right? Where does that cover an ISO? So you've got to have a system for, for managing you know, how you win work, how you, how you deliver the work, how you manage the money and how you manage the people. So you've got to look at it in totality. You cannot look at systemization, um, you know, in isolation of just relating to ISO and expect that to be the answer. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a hobby horse of mine. So, you know, but, but I love what you're doing and people have got to accept the principle. You've got to systemize their whole business, not just part of it. And the same way I say what I'm saying today, if there is a system for building culture, you should have a system for building culture. Yes, yeah, and it's it's, and we were discussing because there's um, you can speak quite authoritatively to a lot of different, in fact, all the different areas and, and sections of business. But with the reason we focused in on this culture piece, yep. because it is so oftentimes poorly managed and overlooked and not thought of in terms of process. So um, yeah, just want to say a big thank you for your generosity in explaining the way that you do it if people want to find out more phil where's the best place i know you've got a new book coming out um and you've also got your other book i think i've got it just down here um yeah what's the best place for people to find out a little bit more about your work oh look i think the best place to go is is the starting point for us is just go to our website it's www.profithq.com.au um you know that's the best place to start 
and, and there with a phone number or have a look around a bit of the stuff of what we do. And the best place is just, just to give us a call, to give me a call, you know, on there and get, you can get access through, to me through the website. Um, go there. That's a great starting point. You see what we do. But you know what? Give us a call and talk to somebody. You know, I think that's the point is that in Australia, in particular, more so in parts of the world, we're not picking up the phone and wanting to talk to people enough about stuff. You know, and, and, I, and I think, you know, is a key point for me of all of this, and, and, and it's no different in the business in terms of what you're doing, is I think a skill of leadership, you know, is, is, is it being able to ask for help and that, that asking for help is a sign of leadership. Not, it's not a weakness and you know so that's the point if you need help with your systems and procedures pick up the phone and ask somebody if you need some help around culture ask somebody if you need some help with cash flow ring up the phone and ask somebody so please we, we've, got, mm. we've got four people in the business that, uh, but, but we just love to talk to people with problems yes uh, what i'll do i'll pop all of the links uh, right near this particular session so people can find out and, and I can speak from personal experience that you make yourself very accessible which given the depth of your business experience it's just it's a great opportunity for people so again thank you uh, Phil for taking the time and, and being part of the summit. Been a pleasure thank you David and, and I'm a fantastic supporter of the initiative here and, and, uh, and I just only say to people if you enjoyed this one go and have a look at a lot more. Thank you just been listening to the system hub podcast remember we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now